DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Greg Biggins joins us now, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. He's on the Smart Rain guest line, and it's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Greg, good morning. Good morning. We have many questions. Hey, you, you caught me in, caught me in mid bite of my apple breakfast right now. How are you guys? <laughs> you guys doing good? Yeah, we're doing all right. I think the question is: Are the Utes not doing all right? But are they doing better than they were? Before we get into the specifics, big picture, especially at the quarterback slot, do you feel like Utah's breaking through to a new level in recruiting? I do like their their quarterback room a lot. Obviously, uh, I've seen Nate Johnson in the last couple of days. I'm actually driving there right now to see uh, day three of the Elite Eleven, and I, I, I like him. I think he's got some unique qualities. Is he a little bit on the raw side? Yes. Will he probably need a red shirt and maybe another year? Um, I do think so. But I mean, he's got some gifts for sure. I mean, he's uh, he's an undersized kid at about five eleven, six feet, but. He's got a really live arm, and obviously he's an elite athlete, legit 10 4 100 meters, which is fast if you're a wide receiver, more or less a quarterback, right? So I think uh, give him some time. I think he's got a chance to be really good. He's looked good in the first two days of this uh, Elite 11 final so far this week. Yeah, you've got uh, Kyle Whittingham really loves the mobile quarterbacks in large part because he believes those are the most difficult to defend. And you've already said this kid's got elite athletic ability, but at the same time, the thing that's held them back is the ability to get the ball down the field. Uh, Based on what you know of these two kids, Rose and uh, Johnson here, do they have that ability? You know, they're, they're really, they're different quarterbacks. It's, it's interesting. You wouldn't think the same school would recruit those two guys because of how radically different. You know, Brandon's the more pure pocket guy, and he's got some mobility as well. He's not a statue by any stretch. I wouldn't recruit a statue. So Brandon's got some functional athleticism. He, he can take off and run. He's, uh, he's comfortable. He, I think he does a good job making that first guy miss. He can extend the play. But he's your pocket guy. I mean, he is third and eight. You, you, wanna, you need a big first down completion. I think Brandon can do that for you. Uh, Nate, and I'm not saying he can't make that third down and eight throw, he, he might actually have a little bit more live arm than Brandon right now, but I think what he excels in is if you want to do some design rollouts, maybe some zone read. I mean, he's going to be the fastest guy in the field in a lot of games, so he can take off. But I think what we're seeing, not just this week, but when I saw him a few weeks ago at the Elite 11 Regional where he got the invite to come to the final I've seen huge strides. I know his quarterback coach, Greg Pinelli, really well. And I'd say in the last year, uh, you're seeing better feet, uh, just more on balance. The ball placement is really good. The release is tighter. I mean, he's made some huge strides in just about a six-month period. So I just imagine how he's going to look in about a year and a half to two years. Uh, I like his upside a lot. And like you said with Brandon, I think Brandon is a pure thrower. Um, with some, Like I said, with some functional athleticism as well. So between those two guys... Uh, I'd be surprised if, the, if not at least one, maybe both, but at least one of them was going to be a hit. So Elite 11, it's definitely a label that every quarterback wants, but PK went and added up a few years ago for a story he did, and about 50% of the Elite 11 kids end up transferring, so a.k.a. they failed at their initial school. Are they getting any better at identifying the elite quarterbacks, or it's still different when you're getting chased by big guys in 11-on-11 games, so no 7-on-7 and no camp can really tell us how good you are? Yeah, I mean, I would would not be so quick to say a transfer is a sale. I mean, you look at Cal Murray's first overall pick, right? Joe Burrow transferred, first overall pick. Um, 
Baker Mayfield transferred first overall pick. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you right. a that level, but at the level the Utes are dealing at. Say again. I'll give you at that level, right? It's a kid going from Ohio State to LSU or you know Georgia to Ohio State or something. Yes, at that level, I think you're right. But at the level the Utes have been at, I don't think that's been true. Sure. I mean, if you're if you're breaking it down to the you know to the youth specifically, my my point was, you know, this day and age, and I'm seeing it in some of the California high schools quite a bit. It's it's. Uh, I wish I had a nicer way of saying it, but it's just we live in that you know world where if you're a sophomore high school quarterback and you're not starting, you're out of there already. And I'm not. It just it's it's unfortunate. I think there's not a whole lot of guys that just want to grind and, and wait their turn. So that that's just the market. So when it comes to transfer quarterbacks. If you bring in two in the same class, I would—I don't know what the percentage is. If you did the math on this, I would love to know about it, but I bet it's extremely high. If you bring in two guys in one class, I would bet it's almost 75 80% one of those guys is going to leave. And if you bring in two guys and, and one of them beats out a current guy that's an underclassman on that, on that roster, I bet he's out of there too. So it's... I think you got to be not just strategic in recruiting a kid who's got talent, but I think character and makeup and, and wanting a guy who's going to be content. And you want a competitor, obviously, right? But you have to want a guy who is going to be content with maybe waiting a year or two and who's kind of got a little a little grit, a little toughness to him to where the point where he's not going to leave at the first sign of somebody else maybe, you know, I'm not going to name a name. You guys probably all know when the leader of a quarterback a few years ago, right, who had a, a ton of hype coming in, and he was out of there before fall camp rolled around. So I think you got to be really careful when you recruit a quarterback, not just for talent, but you got to look at the whole body of work and the whole package there. It was a recent ruling as far as being able to make money for the college kids. Have you already heard some discussion of what it might mean for recruiting from the high school level? Yeah, yeah. No, that's been all the rage this week. And obviously there's been, you know, there's four college counselors out here, uh, including, you know, Spencer Rattler, um, Sam Howell, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So three, three pretty, fairly big name quarterbacks. And, and that's all that everybody's been asking them about. And so, you know, just talking to them, and they're kind of saying it's, it's, it's kind of insane how much they're having thrown at them right now. And I, I think you got to be really, really wary of who you say yes to. Don't just say yes to anyone. And these guys are all super cool, and they're like, you know what, we're, we're not going to rush in, and we want to do stuff that's going to help our teammates too. We're high profile, but, you know, my right guard, you know, I, I want him to be involved. And so, yeah, they're already having a, a ton. And when it comes to recruiting, it's definitely, I mean, when USC is recruiting right now, I talk to a kid and I ask, hey, how was your USC visit? And that's half the, their conversation is, yeah, they talk to me about NIL for, for half the conversation about what you can do if you're in a big market like L.A. You can only imagine, you know, if you're Alabama or Ohio State, who, you know, those schools kind of lead the nation and comes to Jersey sales and, and what they could do to market those kids. It's a huge part of the recruiting process. You're talking about, you know, not even talking about graduation rates anymore. It's always been about... NFL, now it's like after saying, hey, we'll develop you, get you, get you to the NFL, probably the next topic is going to be NIL. So do you believe the people who say this is going to spread out the talent that has been congregating at Alabama and the top you know, four, five, six schools, and then now we're going to have, you know, in two to three years as the talent spreads out, we'll have 12 to 15 to 20 legitimate national title contenders? I mean, they, that, that's that's the that's the best case scenario, right? I, I personally just don't see it. I, I think it's 
I think it's a case of the rich getting richer. Now, I, I do think, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help some schools recruit better. But the reality is I think the best schools are still going to recruit the best players. That's how it's always going to be. You're still going to see probably when it comes to recruiting rankings, the same top four or five schools. You're still going to see Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clubs is going to be up there. Um, you know, LSU is going to be up there. And you're still going to see that because those schools can, when it comes to NIL, those schools can still, you know, offer the most to that kid because those schools have the, the biggest fan bases on the TV the most and uh, they can generate the, the most marketability. So, yeah, I think the, ho- the hope is it will help out, maybe even the level playing field just a little bit, but I, I don't know if it's going to suddenly make uh, a team that, you know, was a perennial top 15, now a top 14. I, I don't see that happening at all. We're wondering, in a, particularly in a place like Salt Lake in Utah, it's a smaller community, and the high school football gets covered a lot. A lot of the games are on uh, television. The playoffs are on television. So these kids can build a brand for themselves literally at 15 and 16. So we're wondering, since they've already established their name in a community, would that maybe help them to think as far as staying local? Because there's been a number of high-profile players who have gone to Oregon, Stanford, SC, that have left our state here. So do you think that that would have an impact? They establish themselves as a teen, a young teen, and then they can continue it and be able to literally cash in in college if they stay local because they'll already have name recognition. Sure. No, I, I, think, I think that's a great point, and I think that definitely can happen. And again, it becomes... It's going to become, you know, can they make me more money than if I were to transfer to a school like, like USC? Can, can me staying local and, and going to Utah, can that help me more than, you know, going to maybe a, a school that, you know, isn't a bigger market? And so I think, obviously, if you're Utah, yeah, you, you definitely want to identify those kids early, and you hope that, you know, NIL evens out the playing field. But, again, I think it's just going to come to, you know, when you're recruiting, you're going to have to show these kids, okay, these kids came here, this is how much they made here. And again, that sounds crazy to say, but that's kind of where we're at right now. We're recruiting against USC and Oregon and UCLA, even even Stanford and Silicon Valley. Can you show them that it's worth it financially to stay versus going over there where there might be bigger markets? I get that schools aren't supposed to be brokering these deals. I also get that schools almost can't afford not to be brokering these deals, or at least talking to people and setting it up so that those boosters can go over there, one block off of campus, legal by the letter of the law, and then broker the deals from there. It seems like that's the new gray area we're going to hear about NCAA violations in. And it seems to me inevitable that that can't really be policed, and it's always going to be a gray area and it's a little scary for me and, and again i've been doing this for 25 plus years and so i'm not going to be I, none of us are naive right you know the way schools do things in the pac 12 versus the way they do things in other conferences again not naming names maybe a little closer you know in the south it's it's a different level playing field and so now we're dealing with you know potential boosters getting involved and it, it, i i think it could definitely open up a, a Pandora's box and like you mentioned it's going to be a very hard to police and I'm kind of fascinated to see you know these first five years I'm fascinated to see exactly how this goes so as far as being able to have a track record of come here because this player at your position made this amount of money this is something that the colleges are going to need a couple years to be able to provide evidence is that what you're saying I, I believe so you know and right now I'm seeing on Twitter all these all these players just 
you know, tweeting out all these dollar signs and act like they're going to cash in immediately. These are these are guys that haven't even, haven't even played it down yet. You know, and it, like unless you unless you play and play well and you have an actual name, this is going to help every guy on your team. It's only going to help, I think, the select few that are pretty elite. So, um, like I said, it, right now when you're recruiting, you know, if I'm a coach and you sit in a kid's living room. You know, you're literally showing them your graduation rate, how many players you've gotten drafted over the last, you know, four or five years at his position. You're showing them, you know, your winning percentage, all those kind of things. It, it's, I think it's only a matter of time, you know, five years where you're saying, okay, at your position, the last three guys we brought in at, at running back made this much money off their NIL image, right? you know, right now. This is what you could do. But that's going to be a big part of the sales pitch, I believe, in the you next know, like four or five years, if not sooner. So if you're at an Elite 11 and you have a chance to uh, talk to coaches who recruit and all that, how pumped up are they about this? Because what they say off camera, what they say away from a microphone can be really different. How pumped up are they by this? How much are they horrified of this? How much are they kind of accepting that it's coming and it's going to change everything and they're not even sure what it's going to look like in five years? What do they say privately? Are you talking about the how coaches. pumped up are the kids? No, the coaches. The coaches? Yeah, yeah coaches. no, I think the coaches, they, I think they're very wary. I, on one hand, I think some of the schools, you know, I will keep it out west in the, in the Pac-12, I think, you know, they're hoping that this levels the playing field. Um, I, again, not being naive, I think they feel like, you know, some schools are, are able to do things that we might consider, you know, a little shadier out here. So I think they're, they're hoping that this levels it out, but I think they, they're also concerned that, shoot, this isn't really going to change a whole lot because schools that are already doing some stuff are going to continue to do that on a different level now. Now it's almost legalized, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I think coaches are, are, you know, I don't know if I use the word happy. I think they're happy that their kids, that they're recruiting or are getting something, um, which, let's be honest, you know, talking to – Sam Howell yesterday, he was like, you know what, we're already getting stipends that are taking care of a whole lot. So it's not like, and again, I'm not trying to sound like that kid off my lawn guy, but the kids, you know, they're actually doing okay. Um, I think the coaches feel like, hey, if they have a jersey that's going to sell, give them the money, that's great. But again, like I said, I think they're also concerned that, uh, you know, if there's a have and a have not, it's just gonna, that gap is still going to be there. How much has recruiting been affected at the high school level by the transfer portal? Um, I can't understate it enough. It's huge. Huge. You know, and I've talked to so many college coaches in the last, I would say, eight to nine months, um, maybe a little bit longer. And, you know, in years past, you know, you get, let's just say, a nice number, 25 scholarships. Those last five always went to maybe your borderline high school kid. Um, you know, a guy you think has some upside, not there yet. Now those last four or five spots are going to go to transfer portal kids. And, and the reason is simple. You know, with a high school kid, there's, there's some risk there. You don't know what you're getting necessarily. When you go to the portal, uh, you're getting a guy – now there's always risk, right? But you're getting a guy who maybe is already battle-tested, maybe he's played one or two years of college ball, and maybe it's just a depth chart issue where he, he got buried a little bit. Maybe he's homesick. Um, maybe he, again, just didn't click. His new coaching staff came in and he doesn't fit that system. So uh, you're seeing, like, at, at Oregon State, I could conceivably see, and they did it this past year, you could give out almost half your class, maybe eight to nine kids to, to portal kids. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of schools, you know, keep those last five, six, seven spots that normally would go to, to a high school player. And, and so it, it's a trickle-down effect. This past year, you know, the, the numbers that signed at a high school were way, way down. It's affecting the JUCOs. You might see, you know, more kids go that route. And obviously, there's a risk going into the portal. First off, obviously, right? You might go there and you think you're going to have the same options you had in high school, 
and you don't. Now all of a sudden, you know, you might get stuck in that portal. But if you're a coach, recruiting-wise, that portal right now is a lot more attractive than it is, you know, going on that, that high school kid who, who's a bigger risk than maybe the kid who's already played a couple years of college ball. Greg, we appreciate a few minutes. We're sorry we took you away from your breakfast apple. <laughs> it's all good. Good talking to you guys. And uh, like I said, I apologize for the breaking in and out. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. L.A. traffic. We'll, we'll yeah. blame it on that. But, no, always good talking to you guys. Well, good job with the website. I click on it to the point that PKNL calls me out for clicking on it to check, you know, Utah high school football rankings. You're looking at 24-7 again, aren't you? So you, you must be doing something love right. It. I love go. it. Thanks, guys.